0: Okay. Hey, Risto here at George Mason University. I'm here with Peter Iserbit from the Department of Movement Sciences in KU Leuven, which is in Belgium. Uh, And we're going to discuss the article titled Generalization of Participation in Fitness Activities from Physical Education to Lunch Recess by Gender and Skill Level. Um, The article is recently published in. Uh, the journal of teaching and physical education and as always you can find the full citation of the article in the notes if you want to read it um and then peter welcome to the podcast thanks for coming on
1: hi thank you risto for uh, the opportunity to be in your podcast and uh, to talk about this paper and more in general the line of research we are having on transfer from physical education to recess um So, yeah, let me take a short moment to acknowledge the co-authors. So there's um, hannah Drevers, who was a grad student uh, in my program. There's Hans van der der Mars, my colleague, friend and uh, mentor, who was at Arizona State University, but who is now recently retired. And as he would say, and also some other people, he's failing on retirement terribly. And uh, there's Jan Sees, my uh, colleague in the Department of Movement Sciences here at the
0: yeah, I see Hans all over the place. He's at peak collaborative meetings, he's at conferences, and people say he's retired, but I don't, I don't know. Yes. I'm not sure. Um, so <laughs> what, what initiated this work? How did you, how did you get into studying what, what you present here in the paper?
1: Okay, so the project is part of a larger line of research that uh, started in 2013. Uh, At that time I was uh, an assistant professor um, and uh, I was invited by several organizations here in Belgium to talk about the role of physical education and uh, the impact it had beyond the walls of the gymnasium. Also, as a a beginning uh, professor, I was in the midst of grant writing and looking for strong, solid arguments on the position of physical education in the curriculum of K-12 schools worldwide. And yeah, as we know, in most developed countries in the world, um, one goal of physical education is to develop a physically active lifestyle in school age youth. however when when we delved into that uh, research and into the literature, we found that the evidence for that was was quite poor. Uh, it was it has not been a focus for many researchers and and the research that has been done was less than optimal in terms of research designs and methodologies. Obviously, there's a lot of issues methodologically to investigate that. Uh, also in the shape standards uh, which are now in review, but Uh, In in previous uh, standards, up up until 2014, I guess, one of the standards stated uh, explicitly participates regularly in physical activity, Mm -hmm. and um, in Peter Hastings' review in um, in 2017, uh, in which he investigated the evidence for whether those standards were met, he pointed out that there's very few evidence of a link between participation and physical education and out of school physical activity. So um, that prompted us also in that direction. Obviously, we studied the work by Jim Stallis, Tom McKenzie, and colleagues on Spark and MSPAN, um, which inspired us a lot. Uh, we investigated the strength and limitations of that work. And um, yeah, obviously, investigating the impact of physical education outside the gymnasium in daily life and perhaps later in life that comes with methodological challenges, as I just mentioned, uh, we often uh, you need to rely on self-reports and I'm not sure we can trust those and especially not with elementary school children and in the case of like, accelerometers, or children might forget wearing them uh, and you also lose sight of the context in which the physical activity uh, occurs and um, that was very important for the work we we had in mind. So. I talked about this idea with Phil Ward from The Ohio State University, who had been a mentor since I was a PhD student and, and became a friend along the way, and we came to a research design that would allow us to have more experimental control um, as well as to limit the methodological barriers. And the idea was that instead of investigating the out-of-school physical activity, why won't we start with an at-school physical activity? But outside of physical education. Um, That would allow us to measure children's behaviour more reliably. Uh, And second, we we thought the gap between physical education and out-of-school physical activity was too wide. And we tried to narrow it down by selecting recess, uh, more specifically lunch recess, as the setting where we would organise a physical activity programme that had the same content and equipment uh, as in physical education lessons. The difference is obviously that it was voluntary, less structured than physical education. And as a framework, we use the CSPAP approach since physical education is at the core of a CSPAP and lunchtime recess is obviously an important part of the uh, on campus during the school uh, component of the CSPAP.
0: Yeah. So we've talked about uh, CISPAP before in in a couple of different episodes. So I'll link those in the show notes for people who are kind of wanting to hear more about it. But it's been a while since we've brought that up in in this podcast. So I'm wondering if you can just give us a quick overview of what comprehensive school physical activity programs or CISPAP, uh, what are they? Um, yes, yeah,
1: sure. So uh, c stands for Comprehensive School Physical Activity Programmes, uh, kind of introduced in 2013 by the CDC and SHAPE America, but actually goes back to to uh, 2008, I'm sorry, position statement by NASPI, and also uh, 2008, I, I think, if, I, if my memory doesn't uh, abandon me, in the 2008 paper by Darla Castelli, who you had on, on, uh, on the podcast as well, and Aaron Beagle in, in a Joford's article. So the comprehensive element, uh, it stands for being an inclusive multi-component ecological model, which includes uh, the five components that create expanded opportunities for children to be physically active. Uh, mainly physical education, which is at the center, which is at the core of the c It's the educational component. There have been circulating some visuals where physical education is not at the the center, but I stress that it should be at Mm -hmm. the center. Um, Also physical activity during school, physical activity before and after school, and then the community engagement and staff involvement. And Basically, as I as outlined in the in, in the in the most recent in the documents by the CDC, a uh, CSPAP has two main goals. The first one is to use all opportunities for students to be active and achieve the recommended 60 minutes of uh, MVPA per day, and second, to provide coordination among the CSPAP components to maximize understanding, application, and practice of the knowledge of skills learned in physical education so that all students will be fully physically educated and well equipped for a lifetime of physical activity. It it was the the second uh, goal of CSPAP that was very important for our work, obviously, uh, namely the coordination of the different components to apply and practice skills learned in physical education. uh, so herein lies the key to investigate the, phys- the contribution that physical education can make by investigating whether students engage in activities or use skills in other settings that were you know, initially learned or practiced in physical education lessons.
0: Yeah, thanks, and I think that's a good overview. And uh, you you brought up some important stuff, which is like the core of your your research. Um, So it's this idea of coordinating what students are learning, so the PE content, and coordinating with the physical activity in recess. So I'm I'm wondering, can you share, like, expand on that idea and what are the benefits of having this approach? To me, it seems very logical that you would teach something in PE and then you would reinforce it through time and recess. But obviously, it's not happening in in a lot of schools. So can you um, talk about the benefits and expand on that?
1: Yeah, as you rightly mentioned, it seems logical. Uh however, from our literature review at the time and also to date, it's not really that common. Um uh, we did a we we started off with an investigation here in, in in uh in our part of the world in Belgium. Uh it was published by uh et Paul in twenty in um uh, International Journal of Kinesiology Higher Education where we found that actually most schools in Flanders, they offer physical activity programs during recess. Uh, We found that 80% in secondary schools, so post-primary schools. But there was no evidence at all that this was content that was taught uh, either previously or simultaneously in physical education. So there was a clear disconnection between physical education and physical activity during, uh, during recess or lunch recess which we believed that uh, prevented any type of generalization to emerge. So our reasoning was that if we teach some content in physical education and the learning tasks are designed appropriately so that the students are successful, they learn and as a result they enjoy it, uh, they might choose to participate in it voluntarily beyond physical education as because obviously yeah, you cannot participate in an activity if you do not have the skills to do so. Um, a, second, uh, a second benefit uh, is that we know that without doing an intervention during recess, MVPA is rather low, especially in secondary schools. <laughs> Where we did our observations, we found MVPA levels below uh, 10%. Um, actually, in, in some cases, even 3 to 4%. So basically, the children uh, get out of uh, the classroom, they sit down for lunch, and then they go to the playground where they sit down. Uh, that's not the case in elementary, where you have higher mdpa levels. Uh, but still, we found that if you um, organize a physical activity program, you, you, you get good results, um, mm-hmm. and especially especially for vigorous physical activity, um, when we look at that component. And the, the third thing is that um, we all know the limitations uh, curriculum-wise of physical education. It's only scheduled in general two hours an hour, a week, um, while recess is scheduled every day, at least here in Flanders. um And the schools are required to provide 50 minutes per day during lunch. So that opens uh, quite some potential for uh, opportunities to uh, engage in physical activity. So these observations and these, those uh, benefits um, led us to a design in which we connected the content of physical education with the content of a physical activity program during uh, the lunch period recess. So uh, in that way we would allow children to apply what they practiced and learned in physical education in a less structured setting, they, they wouldn't have to dress, they they, 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 they could just jump in, uh, and that would basically immediately demonstrate the contribution that physical education has on, on the development of uh, physical activity habits, basically.
0: Yeah. yeah. I mean, it seems, again, very logical. If you have 50 minutes of physical, potential time for kids to be physically active every single day, but you only have limited time in PE, that You would leverage that content that you're learning in PE to do that, whether it's an after school, you looked specifically at that longer lunch block recess. Um, It it makes a lot of sense. Um, One of the things that you talked about in the paper was generalized behavior change. Can you explain that?
1: Uh, Yeah. Uh so, it's a, it's a principle, uh, in the paper we wrote a theory, it would be better uh, phrased uh, or framed as a principle. Uh, uh, establishing generality is, is actually a core characteristic of applied behaviour analysis. And in the context of this study, we, we consider that the behaviour has generality if it occurs in a setting other than the setting in which it has been learned. So, in other words, if a student engages in fitness activities, which were learned in physical education, which we also call the training setting technically. And they use those skills in a different setting, such as recess, which we then call the generalization setting. We say that the behavior has generalized um, as, as a measure of that generalization. We used in our work participation in the content, which is fitness. But in the other work we have done, we used also parkour as the content. Uh, And engagement in or participation in that content leads to interesting variables, the dependent variables like MVPA, but also most recently we looked at skill trials as well. Um, And that is particularly important because the the children in our studies didn't have fitness as a content uh, previously in their curriculum, or in the other studies we did on parkour, they didn't have parkour in the curriculum yet. So, uh, if they perform it in uh, or if they participate in parkour, um, generalization is demonstrated when they do it during recess. So, And generalization is, is actually it's a very important principle in education. After all, you do not learn mathematics just to get high points on your mathematics test in school. You, you have to learn it so that you become more effective in daily life, both professional and private. So when you go grocery shopping, you need to keep track of how you spend your money. Uh, You need to calculate the volume of paint you will need when you uh, paint your living room and and so on. So um, generalization is is an important thing in education. And uh, another important thing about generalization or, or transfer, as some people would call it, is that it does not occur automatically. It just doesn't happen by itself. You need to program some environmental similarities to occasion the behavior, such as the equipment, the prompts by the teacher, uh, adding a bit of structure. We cannot expect the students to engage in fitness activities automatically uh, if, if the environment isn't uh, triggered and isn't um, occasioning that. So. As a as a teacher or as a school staff, it requires some careful programming uh, so that the probability of engagement and in fitness increases. As we did, it was the same teacher during recess, uh, the same equipment that was there. The teacher simply provided students with some prompts. No new content was taught. Uh, and then later on, perhaps, but this is something we haven't investigated, you might decrease the amount of similarities. Um, uh, so you might reduce the explicitness in your uh, programming of similarities. a bit. But that is something which we haven't been looking at yet, but might be something to do in, uh, in, in the next studies, perhaps.
0: Yeah. And but overall, you have to provide the structure for for the students to have the opportunity to do it. you can't just essentially assume that they're going to go out and, and do all the stuff that they learn in PE if that structure isn't, isn't supported. Um, so can you tell us just the overall purpose of the, of the study before we go into the methods?
1: Sure. So the goal of that study was to investigate generalization of participation in fitness activities from physical education to fitness recess program in middle schools. Um, so the physical education lessons were the training setting and the fitness lunch pro- recess program uh, in which students could voluntarily participate was a generalization setting. Uh, we also uh, kept track of the students during their traditional lunch recess, uh, which we considered the comparison setting. So basically, uh, children spent their day during well, spend their lunch recess on the playground where they can choose to either engage in social activities, uh, um, play some sports, uh, use some free equipment. So that is the the, the 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 traditional the setting which occurs every day. We program just uh, from time to time the opportunity for children to participate voluntarily in a fitness lunch recess. Um, We also specifically targeted middle school children because um, uh, as as it has been also pointed out in in the previous podcast by uh, uh, I think by Colin Webster and Dara Castelli when you had them on, that middle and and high schools are our tough target group to work with Mm -hmm. and uh, it's, it's, it's challenging to work in that type of schools. So we wanted to do that. We chose fitness deliberately um as a content and uh also another thing is that we all know how NVPA uh, levels drop when children transition from elementary to uh, to middle school so uh we thought it would be interesting to to have that target group
0: yeah so can you uh talk about the study like what what were the methods overall that um that you did to pull this off
1: Sure. So we took a convenient sample of five schools uh, with whom we had a collaboration to our uh, teacher education program, and in each school uh, we selected one or two classes and their physical education teacher. Uh, it were students in first year of secondary, so post primary school, and their age was about 12 years. Um, The physical education teachers they agreed to teach a 12 lesson sport education fitness season and they also agreed to organize nine fitness recess sessions. Uh, There were two before the start of the sport education season, seven during the sport education season and one after the season had ended. Um, The fitness recess sessions were 20 minutes Um, so in that way Children, uh, the students still had time to, to have lunch during lunch recess, which was uh, in general a bit more than 50 minutes in, in the schools we, we had. Um, all the teachers, they received the standardized content knowledge workshop to teach fitness. Um, that was a workshop of four hours. Both the teachers nor the students had prior experience with the support education model. And um, the goal of the unit of the season was that students uh, in their sixth group would develop a fitness workout and teach it to their peers during the culminating event at the last lesson. Um, during fitness recess, the, the teacher basically just uh, put out the equipment, uh, the same equipment that was used in the previous physical education lesson, which uh, we we considered would prompt students to know what to do, uh, to apply what they had learned. There were also task cards used to uh, to cue students on on how to perform the the exercises, and the teacher basically uh, supervised, managed time, and provided some support when needed. He he, the teachers did not teach new content, so it was a kind of station work. Uh, Where students just could basically rotate, uh, use task cards, and uh, engage in fitness activities. We labeled all children um, as lower average or higher skilled, and we also took into account uh, sex. And um, uh, methodologically, we uh, well in terms of uh, uh, analyzing, collecting data on MVPA, we used systematic observation. We trained observers to do that, um, and both in, uh, in, in all three settings, in physical education and uh, fitness lunch recess and during traditional recess, we uh, used uh, systematic observation as a, as a method to investigate NCPA. So that was very time consuming. Uh, we spend a lot of time, uh, walking around with forms and papers and calculating manually. Luckily, by now we, we, we developed an, an app to do that. Um, it's free available in the app store. Uh, it, it runs on iPads and it has the so fit and so card, uh, tool. And, um, yeah, it was, it was a, uh, a project led by uh, a van Leuten, PhD student in my team uh, which saved us a ton of hours of work um so yeah uh, that was basically the uh, the the methods
0: so there's that so anybody can go on and go to the app store and find that find that app Sure. Yeah, it's
1: free. It's free available. It's for it's uh, for free. It's downloadable only for iPad, obviously, because mm-hmm. the the system so fit so carved, It's it's too um, too complex and too large to have it on a small screen like a smartphone. So you need an okay. a, an iPad.
0: Got it. Cool. Well, uh, the world thanks you and and the doctoral students for for building <laughs> that. I'm sure there's a lot of grad students here going wait. I don't have to do a paper copy. I can do this on, on an iPad. So, awesome. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So you you talked about sport education and we we had uh, Tristan Wallhead on and he kind of broke down the sport education model and their, their shorter podcasts are quick to listen to to get an overview. Um, but can you tell me um, like how sport ed was used in your... Uh, in your intervention?
1: Yeah, sure. Uh, we also have a, a, a sample lesson plan uh, as supplementary material in, in, in the paper. So, uh, basically, we started off by... Uh, so, as I said, teachers nor the students had a, had prior experience with sport education, which is, again, also in research, an issue. It's first... It's mostly in the research, published research. It's uh, very often. The first try that is uh, published. So um, that was the case also in our study. Uh, we prepared a content knowledge packet for teaching fitness using sport education. Um, the content knowledge packet contains the necessary knowledge that uh, was necessary to be taught to that specific grade level. Uh, it contained teaching materials, relational knowledge that shows how the content is should or could progressively be taught using different tasks um, uh, towards the culminating event where they have a workout routine. Um, The students were put in uh, uh, mixed ability, mixed sex groups of uh, five to six and they stayed in those teams also for the entire season. Um, The students performed different roles such as a fitness trainer, a coach, an equipment manager and a captain. Uh, And to foster team affiliation, the students chose a country they represented during the season and created their own team cheer or chant. Um, And as a team, uh, the goal was that at the end of the season, they would demonstrate a fitness routine consisting of exercises to improve strength, endurance, flexibility, coordination and agility and they would demonstrate it to the other teams who would also participate in that routine so uh, and during the first lessons of the sport X season we uh, the the teacher taught different fitness skills they were practiced in a more teacher uh, centered format post the focus was put on posture safety uh, also adaptations for different uh, ability levels and um, Towards the, the the second half of the season, um, it was more uh, student led. The fitness activities were refined, and um, the, the the students were allowed more uh, freedom and were 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 guided to develop and to uh, their own fitness program based on the skills and the, and the exercise they had learned previously. Um, So um, each time each team then during the culminating event, they taught their fitness routine to the other teams. Uh, The other teams also scored the the content of the the team that was demonstrating on several criteria, such as the content of the routine, correct demonstrations of the fitness exercises, and and so on. Um, Yeah, fitness activities, as I I also mentioned, that was a deliberate choice. we define them as uh, individual activities which are aimed at improving selected health and skill-related fitness components. So uh, cardiovascular endurance, muscular strength, muscular endurance, flexibility, agility and coordination. Um, I would chose them as a content domain for physical education and lunch reset because fitness education obviously is an important educational goal of physical education. Um, and at second, it, it was recommended that schools design physical activity programs where students can participate individually, and they are not dependent on others to participate, um, and that possibly could attract lower-skilled students and and uh, and, and girls. So uh, we saw also in a in review that when, when secondary or post-primary schools when they offer physical activity programs. It are very often team-based sports, competitive, and then certain students tend to drop Mm -hmm. out. Uh, Another and a third reason is that um, fitness as a content domain was one of the few domains that um, that was found where both boys and girls achieved or achieved similar levels of physical activity um, Mm -hmm. during physical education, so was another reason why we why we took that uh, as a content
0: Yeah, i'm wondering as we move into more of the discussion and kind of the findings of of your study itself um if you can share a little bit more about the voluntary participation of the students in recess time and how that changes maybe throughout the intervention and what does that what does that mean
1: yes so uh, overall uh Participation of the students that decreased over time throughout the, the sport education season, especially in the last third of the intervention. Participation for uh, all students, regardless of sex or skill level, decreased. Uh, and there was a, a big drop, a major drop, uh, after the sport education season ended. Um, this somehow aligns with the previous research we did in elementary where we noticed that prior to the culminating event there's often an increase in participation. Um, because children as we this is anecdotal evidence, but children tend to see the the, the recess program as an opportunity to practice for their culminating event. Uh, and they had fun in organizing. But when the culminating event is over the sport education season ended, then we see a drop in uh, in participation. In, in behavioral terms, um, we call the culminating event a motivating operation, which, which basically means that uh, it increases the value of participating in organized recess. Uh, because of the upcoming event and the team competition that uh, that is a part of that um culminating event um so yeah we had um at the start of the fitness season uh, we had proportion of about fifty percent on average of participation but then it drops towards the end of the season um to below twenty percent after the season, and even no participation uh, for the lower skilled uh, at the end of the, the, the season. It do is important to to mention that we didn't do anything to intervene. Um, basically, uh, that was a deliberate choice. We, we we didn't want to get the design too messy. Uh, basically, the only thing that happened was that the teacher. After the physical education lesson read out in front of the students a standardized instruction to announce the fitness recess program on a certain date and time. There were no incentives such as posters or prompts or by the classroom teachers or, uh, or uh, any other incentives that would um, uh, increase participation perhaps type participation to the sport education model in terms of the points they might receive, do some public posting on who participated and so on. So things might look very different if we did intervene, but for the purpose of the design and, and to have a good experimental control in multiple schools, we didn't intervene at all. So uh, that's important though.
0: So you did fitness for this, um, for the sport education unit. If you were to do this all over again and you did a ball sport like basketball or football or, I don't know, ultimate frisbee or some other game, do you feel like there would be a difference in in participation rates based on your kind of observations going to schools? Yes, the content is a
1: factor, although... uh... I'm not convinced it's the only factor, since uh, we're now doing now a third year of a longitudinal study in elementary. We started with parkour, uh, with children in in, uh, third grade. Mm -hmm. The year after we had them do a a, a team handball, and now we're uh, teaching them smash ball, which is a a kind of very uh, um, adapted volleyball game for children. Uh, we see that um, participation and who participates tend to vary. Uh, also, the 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 participate the proportion of participation varies. It's also been demonstrated in a study by uh, by Tristan Wallhead and Knowles um, that uh, that in, in they also had invasion games, if I remember correctly. Where they had a problem with girls participating. So yes, the content matters, but um, as I as I as I just mentioned, we did not do anything to intervene during. We basically had them gave them the opportunity. There were no further incentives or prompts or uh, or, in, in, or involvement of classroom teachers uh, and so on. So we only looked at it from a one direction physical education towards Recess, but we might look at bi directionally also, so from recess to physical education, so how both reinforce each other. So there's some opportunities for further work here, but uh, at this time we, we didn't do anything to to intervene. And right. as a uh, short answer, basically, to your question is yes, the content matters, um, uh, and how it is taught matters too, and others surrounding variables that affect participation and vpa matters too but uh, we haven't eased all
0: of the out yet yeah and the content matters both ways if you if you put basketball out for boys or girls who don't like basketball it matters they're not going to participate so um so i'm wondering were there any differences in the physical activity participation comparing gender or or level And how does that align with uh, other research that that you've read or seen?
1: Yes, well, we actually found limited differences uh, in terms of sex and skill level in this uh, study. Uh, For sex, there were two fitness recess sessions where significantly more girls than boys participated. Um, And in general, girls had higher participation proportions than boys for each recess uh, session, uh, which we consider important uh, because usually and previous studies showed that during physical activity programs, which are disconnected from physical education, uh, there's much lower participation from girls as as, as compared to the boys. So in the study that we did, uh, the DREVER study, as I mentioned, um, in I J K H E. We had 25% of girls that participated versus 56% of boys in post primary. So, uh, also a study by uh, Xu Cheng, who's also a PhD student in uh, in, in my team, she found significant diff- significant difference with more girls participating compared to boys in parkour recess than uh, in elementary. Mm-hmm. Uh, she found 53%. Of uh, girls participating in in the recess sessions compared to thirty five percent of boys, so which is good because we, we wanted also to 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 have girls in those programs and that they also would feel involved and, uh, in, in, in that thing. We think it has to do with the fact that they learned it in physical education and uh, it was appropriately taught, although that's anecdotal evidence yeah. for in terms of skill level. Um, We only found one difference, uh, namely in the first fitness recess session, where significantly more higher-skilled students participated compared to uh, their lower-skilled counterparts. But if you look at the the figure in the paper, uh, it's not significant, but uh, we see that higher-skilled were consistently, or had consistently higher proportions of participation compared to average and lower-skilled children. yeah, that's uh, uh, that's something we uh, we observed. Um, a crucial finding, though, is that the fitness recess in our study it led to a fourfold increase in overall MVPA. So, uh, with a, a, a major impact on the lower-skilled students, because uh, when we uh, measured their MVPA during their traditional recess, where when they hang out on the playground they had an average of 5% of MVPA uh, compared to 40% of NVPA during fitness recess. So that is what makes the study important, I think, is uh, that the approach to linking recess with physical education can become a major contributor to students' total daily MVPA. Um, additionally, uh, in, in the, the table, uh, we virtually there was virtually no vigorous physical activity during traditional recess, whereas during fitness recess it was around 30%. So also that VPA vigorous physical activity has different health outcomes. Um, so that's important too. So recess as a daily part of the school day uh, has potential for physical activity, uh, at least to for for some children who choose to participate in it.
0: Yeah, and I think it's, your, your study is a great example of how what you teach in physical education can transfer to out of school with that structure and, and how that structure is so important. But that linking, that transfer of learning is really important. Um, so as we wrap this up, I have one more question. And um, in the paper, you have a lot of suggestions of how future research can help better understand what you found in the study, as well as improved students' behavior change during recess, can you share some of those suggestions with us as we kind of close this out? Yes. Um, so basically, this this fitness study, uh,
1: together with the other the other studies that that uh, that uh, are out, like the ones by Rosalie Copens, who also was a, a former grad student, and Shu uh, Cheng. Um, Those studies basically offer the message that when you give the students the opportunity to engage in an activity that they practice in physical education during recess, a large proportion of children will will do that. Uh, When they engage in uh, that activity, they will be more physically active than during traditional recess. Um, And as the other student studies and ongoing work shows, they demonstrate that children use the skills that they practice or you might say learned in physical education in another setting, namely recess. Um, in a recent study that came out in a PESP, uh, we looked at the skill trials during recess and we found that children, so we measured all children, all skill trials of all children when they were in, a, when they were in parkour recess Uh, And we saw that they, uh, when offered the environment, they practiced the skills they learned in physical education during recess at quite a high rate. So in other words, what they practiced in physical education allowed them to engage in that activity and to have fun in doing so. And that is, I think, important. Uh, I think it's also important to highlight that the children always had a choice in our work, so that's a question reviewers all often ask. So uh, participation was always voluntary. Um, they 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 could stay on the playground as they do any other day during lunch recess, or they could uh, engage in the physical activity program during recess, which was fitness or parkour or or. or team handle all the other things we have done by now. So fitness we said in this study was was a choice, not a requirement. Um, it also means that not the same students engaged every day. And uh, we believe it's empowering the students to be able to make their own choices. So so um, I think future work should continue to replicate this, uh, which we're also trying to do with other content as you as you just mentioned. Uh, with students of different ages, uh, possibly manipulate some stuff related to sport education. Uh, because as we all know that replication is, is the cornerstone of science and it's really necessary to increase that external validity and in our field we oftentimes have had a bad habit of switching our focus too fast without building a, a solid evidence base. So. Um, yeah, I think it would be very interesting also to to investigate strategies to increase or maintain participation over the course of the season because as as I mentioned we didn't do anything uh on that topic we basically just left things the way they were without mm-hmm. any specific prompting. So, so um yeah, there's um there's still some uh, possibilities for future work and for future research. So um the last thing I would like to mention is that uh, what we also uh, used as an argument in, 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 in talking to schools and the teachers is that uh, in, in this type of design there's no additional curricular time needed. Basically all all things are in place, there is recess. The only thing that we needed is, uh, is uh, the cooperation of the physical education teacher to spend uh, once or once a week or once every two weeks to organize a, a fitness recess session of 20 minutes and to provide the, the students with equipment. So, but besides that, there was nothing really special that needed to be done. So, uh, that's also not uh, uh, as well an important thing to uh, to, to to know when, when, when negotiating or collaborating with schools. So.
0: Yeah, and I and I think. The middle school conversation is important too because they, they are coming to that age where they just might not want to participate and I remember in our after school program in the US, um, we were at a school, there were other after school programs at the same time and um, there was this big gym and they had probably 60 students there in after school and like 20 to 30 of them yeah. were just sitting down outside uh, outside the boundaries of the basketball gym and There are some boys and some girls playing vigorous activity, but 40 people were just sitting down and I just went and started talking to them, asking them, why are they not participating? Like, isn't it more fun to like play basketball? And they are sixth and seventh grade students and like, we're exhausted from class. Like we say the whole time in class, I just want to talk to my friends. That's what I enjoy. And... I mean, you can't really fault them for that like they they want to sit there and be inactive and talk to their student or talk to their friends and it's, it's tough as a as a researcher or as a teacher who says like, okay, you should be getting your 60 minutes to moderate to vigorous physical activity but as you showed in your study like sometimes they participate and sometimes they don't but they don't really participate yeah. when there's no structure there. there's nothing there but just by putting out the equipment, structuring part of it, And if you were to have more intervention, like you said, advertising flyers, trying to motivate students to try new things like I think it's such a cool, uh, cool model. And I think uh, I always love reading research papers that when I get to the methods and I go, well, that just seems super logical. Why doesn't everybody do that? And it's but it's like new research, like aligning what you teach in PE helps you know, increase recess time if you structure the recess time and um, so really, really cool read, Peter. And I, I, I appreciate you coming on and, and sharing the work. Thank you very much for having me. It was a pleasure to be
1: on your podcast.
0: Yeah, and, and we'll have you on more because I feel like you're doing a lot of good longitudinal work there as well and you got a lot of doc students coming out of there. So um, so I'm going to link to this paper in the in the notes and uh, to a couple of the other podcasts to talk about Sport ed and uh, and cispath. So um, I also want to thank Alba Rodriguez for her help in producing the podcast and Peter. Thanks for coming on. Thank you very much. All right. That's all we got thanks.